Hello guys, welcome back, horse guys and gals. Hope y'all are having a wonderful day or afternoon or night whenever you're listening. You guys are going to get another just Spotify or like listener um, exclusive episode today because I am at work and I decided to leave all the horses in today because it was like freezing rain all morning. We are still in the midst of this like polar vortex snowstorm thing that has just been literally exhausting. But it was freezing rain for a few hours this morning. So everything is like a slick coat of ice. And now it's like wet snowing. So I decided to leave the border borders horses in today um aside from me dying probably trying to take them all in and out um one of them I'm sure would figure out how to break a leg on the ice so I just left them in but leaving them in means there's not really a whole lot for me to do all day so I'm just sitting out here in my truck for a little bit until I go into clean stalls and so I figured I would jump on and chat with you guys a little bit today um and catch up so I'm sitting in my truck and you know what's so frustrating about this like freezing rain and ice I have been talking with somebody about getting round bales because I'm almost out and somebody has some for sale like 45 minutes from me which is like the closest I can find them anywhere right now so I've been talking to a guy about getting four of them well for one we've had so much snow that like my trailer is kind of buried my dad's big flatbed trailer is totally buried in snow um so like even if I can get mine out mine only holds two at a time but I could make two trips um now it's freezing rain so there's ice all over the roads and everything and lord knows they don't they don't like take care of the gravel roads really like they will blade them and plow the snow off of them but they don't like really maintenance them. They're not going to put any salt or sand out here on the gravel roads. So everything is slick and like just honestly dangerous to even drive on um, in the country. And my house is at the bottom of like two hills. So like you go down our lane out the driveway and like to the left there is a fairly it's not like a really steep hill but there's a fairly good size hill right there and then if you go right you go down like half a mile and there's another hill so it's like I don't know it's so frustrating like it's just not even safe to haul hey but I am having this dilemma like I need to buy it before somebody else does because someone else is going to buy up the rest of what he has and then it's all going to be gone And so, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I have been like, I've hauled down that hill before both of them with hay when it's been icy and snowy and like just two bales on my flatbed trailer has like pushed my truck down the hill when there's like snow and there's just no traction. So that's like where it gets dangerous. And then there's so much snow everywhere on our property that like when I get the trailer up the driveway like I don't even know where I'd put it I can't back it in because it's too slick 
Um, I can't just pull it off into the yard out of the way because there's like 24 inches of snow everywhere. So this is why I hate winter. It just makes everything suck. There's car accidents all over the place. Um, and yeah, so there's my, my daily winter complaint for you just in case you needed it. Um, I figured today I would get on, um, horse Twitter and we would just read some tweets because I, I just, I don't know. I've landed in horse Twitter somehow and I just find it really funny sometimes. Like these girls on Twitter, what is it about Twitter that you can just, or X, I guess it's called X now, but I'm probably just going to call it Twitter. What is it about Twitter that people can just get away with saying anything they want? I mean, it has like just just some irrational like horrible things on there and you know what nobody cares if it's on twitter if that stuff is on like facebook or instagram like you will be so canceled um it's just it's funny so i don't know i get on here and i've kind of like landed in horse twitter a little bit um so i just get on here sometimes and read people's tweets i saw one earlier today of some girl was just complaining like why ulcer guard is so expensive but it's the only thing that works which literally everything is expensive right now so i get that i don't know how much ulcer guard costs these days but at the barn that i work at these people literally think everything gives their horses ulcers i don't know how much money is spent down the hole here on buying on people buying like ulcer medication so and I don't know if it's like more common in in certain disciplines I'm sure it probably is based on the stress and amount of like traveling and stuff the horses are doing but the people here literally think that everything everything gives their horses ulcers I know one one client was talking to me a couple weeks ago about her horse basically is like so buddy sour and she's one of the few western people that board here so she was asking me some stuff and um she her horse is basically so buddy sour that the horse just like literally rips away from her anytime she gets too far away from her friends or her pasture so she can't even like walk her around the yard or anything like to graze like the horses just knows she's stronger so she'll just pull the rope out of her hands and run back to her friends and the horse can't basically be inside she can't take it in the arena without the horse going nuts and and I just told her like you just need to bring her in for like an hour a day tie her up and do it consistently she's gonna get used to the fact that she's not gonna be with her friends for an hour and you can slowly build that up as time goes on and she's like oh well like I don't want to give her ulcers and stuff like and she's in here by herself she's gonna panic I'm like dude okay <laughs> like you don't even have to do a full hour you could do 15 minutes at a time or 30 minutes at a time that's not gonna give your horse ulcers like just being by herself for a few minutes out of the day is not enough stress to give her ulcers um if you like for some reason she never leaves her friends for several years and then you just put her in a stall alone for like three days maybe that would induce an ulcer for the amount of stress and panic that she would be going through but like 30 minutes out of the day 
not that big of a deal. Um, but, um, they're like treating their horses for ulcers. Like every time they go to a show, every time they come back, every time a horse like comes, like a new horse comes, they put them on ulcer treatment. I mean, it's like everything. Anytime the horses like literally misbehave, they're like, oh, well, I'll just treat them for ulcers again. And like this person on Twitter said, it is not cheap to treat your horses for ulcers. So I don't know, like they're probably dropping like two or three hundred dollars every time their horse needs treated for ulcers. I'm like, Jesus. Okay. Well, most of them are not acting out or misbehaving because they have ulcers. They really just need their ass kicked. <laughs> there's some of them are so disrespectful. And like, there's one here that we think just has a lot of problems. There's a thoroughbred here that we we're pretty sure like the staff and just us think has a lot of pain going on. Um, he's got like some symptoms and stuff, the way that we handle him, like some head swinging and just, just all kinds of different behaviors that scream like this horse is in so much pain and you putting him on ulcer medication is not going to do anything if you're not fixing the pain, like the ongoing chronic pain. Like you can treat him for ulcers. Once your treatment's done, his ulcer is probably just going to come back if he even has one, um, because he's just in pain all the time and nothing's being done about it or like nothing's fixing it. So that's, this is just a waste of money, but his acting out is probably not because he has ulcers or that he has, you know, pain from ulcers. It's the pain everywhere else that makes him just hate being handled. So I don't know. It seems like, seems like a big thing here. Just like everybody thinks everything gives their horses ulcers. And the girl that was like the, the Western girl that was talking to me about her buddy sour horse. I, I asked her like, have you ever tried aloe vera? And I guess she gets like the aloe pellets in the grain, in her grain, which is fine. I've heard good things about those, um, farm aloe supplements, but I told her like liquid aloe vera is like 10 bucks a gallon at the store. I mean, I've, fed that to my horses forever and always had really good results from it. Sugar in particular, I give it to her a lot during the summertime when we're riding and stuff because she does get cinchy. And I have found that when she's on aloe, she is way more comfortable. So I don't sleep on just regular Walmart generic aloe vera juice like it's in the pharmacy section so if you see it and you think it would just be a good thing to add into your horse's diet for like um digestive or like gut comfort just do it I mean it's cheap it's not gonna hurt them um and it might help who knows um god I'm trying to find like horse twitter and I guess it disappeared out of my feed <laughs> um, I keep coming across on Twitter, like people posting pictures of their kids breakfast. Now, did you guys, if anybody's on X, see the, um, the posts about the girl that just like made a, what my kids eat for breakfast video and just gave her like two donuts and a applesauce packet. And now Twitter is going nuts. Like this is what I mean about the difference in social media platforms. Like Twitter, everybody is just 
wailing on this girl about how neglected her kids are and how how poorly they're fed and on like Facebook and stuff everybody like I'm sure there's you know there is the exception there's still hate on every social media platform but so many more people would be like lifting this mom up about feet just getting her kids fed and having a roof over their head and stuff but like Twitter you better watch out it's just kind of ridiculous. So now everybody's posting <laughs> pictures of what their kids eat for breakfast because their kids are so neglected. Oh my gosh. Okay. Somebody, this person tweeted crazy how many, how so many people take their lame or poorly conditioned horses to shows and nobody bats an eye. Honestly, <laughs> we need to start. I, I'm really impressed with, um, I think it's AQH day. AQHA was putting in new rules or they're like trying to implement new rules about like um, making, um, what do they even call it? Alterations, I guess. Or like, you know, the, when people dock their horse's tail or not dock it, but they uh, block, they do the nerve blocking in their tails. And it's also can be done to the ears so that they can't move their ears or tail or anything or they can't swish their tail making that illegal and this is just this is a prime example of why I love the sport of endurance because in endurance there's so such little tolerance there's a lot of understanding but there's not a lot of tolerance for um poorly conditioned horses like that is the whole point of the sport is to prove like how healthy your horse is and how well built and how well conditioned your horse is like you cannot compete on a lame horse you can't compete on horses that have like different things in their system like um butte or um there's like different there's different things you cannot give your horse to compete in endurance. I know MSM is one of them, the joint supplement. I can't give my horses, um, or I can't give BB. She's the only one I do endurance with, but I can't give her mare magic. Um, not that she needs it, but I have given it in the past. And I learned that that's something that you cannot feed to compete in endurance. Because if the judges were to um, decide to do blood tests or whatever on all of them, um, if it comes back in the in in your horse's system, they can disqualify you for that. So you cannot compete on horses that have any signs of lameness or any like anything that could reduce pain in their system because that defeats the purpose. Like the whole point is to see how good of shape your horse is in and how well you take care of your horses. So that's that's the biggest thing about endurance that I like. Um, is that it is about the horse. It's not about competing. You don't win a bunch of money at it. It's just fun and it's all centered around your horse and honestly just just having a good time and having a community. They are the nicest people. They are the most helpful people and it is wild coming to like these other barns, these big huge boarding barns and just experiencing the different types of people that are like that make the horse world not fun that make it more stressful and just not something that people want to be a part of because it's so disappointing and then you go to a sport like endurance where the people are so nice and so welcoming and you're like why do people even compete in these other sports like they're so negative compared to sports like endurance like I think if I grew up at an 
at some of these English barns or some of these big, huge Western barns where it's all about money and ego and stuff like that. I think that I would just be like, you know, this just ain't for me. Like, I'm just, or like, I'm just going to find some other sport to do because <laughs> I don't get why people stay in it sometimes. Um, so yeah, anyway, what term of endearment does my husband use? Dear? No, the man calls me boss. Cracks me up every time. Okay. I wish, um, that's not horse related, but it was from a horse gal. Um, uh-huh. so this one's actually kind of relevant. Somebody tweeted, just don't keep your horses in stalls 24 seven during the deep freeze and expect them to stand for trimming and shoeing, including a yearling. God people. <laughs> so this is like pretty relevant right now for like probably most of the Midwest because the horses here a couple weeks ago, they stayed in for five days in their stalls, which was honestly not necessarily um, a decision for the horses, but more so for the staff because it was literally just unsafe to be outside for long periods of time um, for humans because it was so miserably cold. And these horses all have to be taken out like by hand, by you have to halter every single one and lead every single one out to their pastures. So mostly for um, human safety, but they also don't have shelters in their pastures, which is, you know, not convenient. I guess if they all had shelters that they could get out of the wind and snow, then that would be different. But they'd just literally be standing out in the negative 50 degree wind chills and stuff, even though they all have blankets. But they were inside for five days, which was a long stretch for them. They go out every single day. So at the end of that five days, when we put them back out, they actually did better than I thought. I mean, they still do like the rude stuff where they just like rip their heads out of the halter. But for being inside for so long and not just like seeing the daylight and being able to stretch their legs, it is still really important that they get turnout time like some of the owners would come during the day and just turn their horses loose in the arena for an hour or so when I would clean stalls there's a couple that I'd throw outside just for like an hour or two while I was cleaning and then bring them back in but I agree like don't just lock your horses up in the deep freeze like today they are inside because of the ice and again for my own safety and for theirs but if they were all super good to take out and were all very calm and respectful, that'd be one thing. But like I said, most of these horses need a swift ass beating and they're pushy and they run into you and they pull you and I am not falling on my ass or breaking an ankle because these horses don't know how to walk from stall to pasture respectfully. So kind of a thing on the it's it's just going to be one of those things like you, you, the, you want your horses turned out you can come turn your own horse out and deal with them yourself but don't expect all the staff to to put themselves in danger for your horse um and that's something that our barn owner stresses is like if you don't feel safe doing it or comfortable doing it don't do it 
if the horse is being a complete ass to bring in or is rearing or whatever, leave them out. Their owner can come in and put them in because that's like just basic life skills that they should learn and should be able to do, especially when like multiple hands are going to be handling them daily. So, oh, somebody says Wolfie, I'm guessing is their horse's name. Chase nearly every man he's met over the fence and he hasn't been wrong about someone yet. So if you think your horse is a prick, probably go work on yourself. That's so funny. I know a lot of horses, a lot of horses have issues with men and it's kind of interesting. I think just because it's such a female dominated industry, but I've had a few rescues that like just don't, they don't do good with men. Luna, for instance, her in particular, she is a lot more um, comfortable around women, mostly people she knows. But if she doesn't know people, she will, um, she'll be more comfortable around women than she will a man. But like my horses, also they're kind of the same way. They don't really ever deal with men. Um, soccer. If you guys have been watching for a while, my gelding soccer before he passed, he was. Um, he was definitely different when it came to men versus women. Cause I'd have friends that would come out and ride and he was usually totally fine with them. Totally relaxed. When my dad would ride or my boyfriend would ride, you could tell just by his demeanor that he was always a little more weary and not really sure. Like his confidence would be so much lower around men. So it's kind of interesting, I guess, just because he's taken out of his normal, but Yeah. My favorite thing is when people say it's so nice that my husband, quote, lets me ride and own a horse. And he's just like, question mark, it's her money, quote. (laughs) I think this is funny because there's like, there's this like, I don't know, (laughs) idea in my boyfriend's family that I only like him for his land. And I can't get around the fact that like, And I don't like argue about it with them, but literally my boyfriend wanted me to bring horses to his house. I, so we, I moved in with him like after six months of dating. Um, so pretty quick, but my lease was ending at the house that I was renting and I was living with a roommate, which wasn't fun. And he had been trying to get me to move in with him since like we basically met. So I decided to, when my lease was up, to just move in with him because we were dating. He already wanted me to move in and things were going really well for us at that point. So I was like, well, I get, why not? Like if I'm going to move, I'm probably going to have to move somewhere and sign at least a one year lease. So it just worked out that way. And then it probably took me a good six months just to like make a pen for my horses to live in. So I first brought home Grace because I had Grace at my dad's and she was not really doing well there. She wasn't gaining any weight. So I spent months like putting up a fenced in area for her and clearing the trees and stuff. It literally took me days and hours and weeks of my life to cut up all the trees 
I had to buy all of the fence, all of the posts and everything. I put them all in myself. I drug cattle panels all the way down through this timber, down a hill, banged in every T-post, put up every panel. It was literally so much work that I did by myself. I mean, my boyfriend helped me a couple times, I think, for maybe an hour, um, cutting up the the giant trees that I needed the big chainsaw for. And then he helped me put up a couple panels. But like, I did it myself <laughs> with my own money. So I do think it's funny that there's still such, there's still like misogyny existing in the horse world when it's like, I feel like the horse world is one of the least traditional, um, like traditional wife theory, like, industries. I mean, these girls, not all of them. I mean, some of them still like only their dad or their husband drives their trailer or operates equipment or anything, but there are so many women out here kicking ass and we literally have only women that work here at the barn. We do have one old man that's a husband to one of the boarders and he comes in and like will fix the electrical or something if there's a problem, but it's all us like running the equipment, dealing with these horses every day, pulling each other out when we get stuck in the snow. Um, we just had the giant manure pile removed. Um, some like septic company came in and took the manure pile. Literally a, a girl my age, and she was a horse girl too. She offered if we needed any help or anything while she was here that she would help us. She ran the skid steer all day long, loaded up her semi, <laughs> And hold away multiple loads of manure. Like, these horse girls out here are are doing the most. So, when people make comments like this about their husbands letting them do certain things, it's like, do we still live in the 1940s where women, like, don't work or stay at home all the time and that's it? I don't know what thought process is going through those people's heads, but when I hear that, I'm just like, where have you been? Because, like, you go to work every day to make your own money. So, why do you, why would anybody need to ask their significant other what to spend their money on? My boyfriend doesn't ask me what he can spend his money on. If he is making, like, some big purchase, he might ask for my opinion or input. But, like, he spends money on whatever the hell. Video games, weekend trips like luxury crap that we don't need and I just like shrug and say whatever because it's his money he works a full-time job to have his own money and I guess if that's what he's gonna spend it on then that's his right but um anyway the whole thing about like me only liking him for his land and stuff I'm just like okay I know that his family are not horse people but I'm like <laughs> y'all if I was gonna get a free horse property if God wanted me to have a free horse property, it would not have been this damn one. We live in a solid, thick, nasty, awful timber that was full of garbage and it has done nothing but be a source of stress, financial burden, um, manual labor, 
for me to even make usable. So I don't know what you mean about I only like him for his land. This land we live on pretty much sucks for a horse property, but it's all we have. So we're making it work. I'm making it work, but it would be so much easier for me to just board them somewhere um, or to just keep them somewhere else. It'd be less convenient, but it would be easier if I didn't want to go through the work. And I, I even told him like before I moved in, like my horses could have stayed where they were. They could have stayed at the barn where I had them at and stayed at my dad's. Um, but anyways, yeah. Um, horse girls, we're still, we're not, we're not consulting our, um, our husbands for much. So Yeah. Next one says, blows my mind when a body worker will use, like, elevator gags and or huge shanks and gags in general. Jeez. Um, I've never heard of a body worker doing this, I guess. We, so I, I was shadowing a farrier this fall, if you guys remember, and he always kept, like, a lip chain in his truck Simply for the fact that some people, and I talked about this on a previous podcast episode, so if you guys watch, you know, routinely, you'll probably remember me talking about this, but it is quite astonishing how bad some people's horses are for the farrier. Even when, like, you routinely see these horses all the time, they're still bad about it because they just don't get it done enough or their owners don't handle their feet enough to make the horse do it and some horses just they don't freaking want to they get tired of standing on 3 feet and they know that they're bigger and stronger than you so they just like will just be like fuck it i'm not putting my foot up anymore or they won't hold still or they're pulling their their old lady owner around the yard because they know that they can and so the farrier i worked with he always had a lip chain in his truck in case he needed to use it because he literally couldn't do his job unless he put one on the horse or you know had the owner put it on the horse which ultimately the owner had the choice if they absolutely did not want a chain used on their horse they would have just told him no but at the same time then he also can't do his job so you're either gonna have a have to find a different farrier or your horse just has two hooves done um so like I can understand if a body worker needs to have some sort of stud chain or lip chain to be able to just work but most horses really enjoy their body work sessions we have one that comes to this barn um every other week and does a lot of horses and the horses love it like they love their job so I guess I don't know why a body worker would need to use one unless they're making it a bad experience for the horse which is like kind of defeating the purpose like god the horses here will literally fall asleep and she posts videos of them all the time like stretched out and yawning and like just constantly relaxing because that's basically what body work is it's like a massage so yeah it seems weird that she that a body worker would even need um something like that okay i want to see this one somebody posted horse twitter send me your recommendations for stall toys our very inquisitive slash interactive borderline obnoxious horses on stall rest for eight plus weeks he's currently has a lick roller suspended ball and barn cats to torture the cats 
are starting to wise up. That's funny. Um, we have some, we have a couple people here that like put a bunch of toys in their horses stalls and like most of them never get touched, never get used. And the horses just literally don't use them. They just look at them and the toys take up space. And we had a boarder at the last barn I worked at that was that way. And she literally had like, a not a yoga ball, a little bit smaller than a yoga ball, just like a kid's like blow up ball. Um, like a soccer ball, a football, a rope toy off hanging off the wall, those little balls that you put the treats in and they have to roll them around. Um, all kinds of stuff in this horse's stall. And this horse was like, I don't know, 18 years old, literally never like had not a playful bone in his body. So I was like, seriously, like I had to move all these toys when I cleaned the stall, which isn't the end of the world, but it's like, okay. Um, for horses that do actually genuinely use them, we have a horse here that has one of those little balls for the treats and stuff, and his owner puts grain in it, and so he he actually does roll it around and use it. So that's one thing, but I've noticed a lot of horses don't use their stall toys. Uh, somebody said that a DIY toy that's their favorite is a four-inch diameter PVC pipe cut to desired length, solid end on one side, twist top end on the other side. Drill different size holes all around the pipe and fill with various goodies such as pellets, oats, etc. Show them how to roll it and they'll be occupied for hours. That's kind of a cool idea. That's kind of like the ball thing. But I don't know how much those ball things cost. But like I'm sure they're expensive because everything is expensive for horses. But a PVC pipe, like just a two foot chunk of PVC pipe probably isn't that expensive. And you can just drill your own holes in it. So that's kind of a good idea. Um, putting the hay net with the tiniest holes they sell seems to occupy mine the best. We have done the same as what you have out. A mama cat moving in and having kittens by her entertain the mare pretty well. Use caution when you turn them back out. Ours tried to cut her jugular after two days of turning out and ended up back on stall rest. God. Okay, so there wasn't a lot of recommendations on that one. But when I was younger, instead of... um. Like, because I didn't have any money, instead of buying the stall toys like that, I just took, like, milk jugs or, like, big fly spray jugs, empty ones that I would clean out. And I would fill them with, like, oats and stuff and hang them in the barn. And the horses would figure out, like, if they just flick or shake the jug, then, you know, some oats would fall out. So you could do that way, too. I'm all about the DIY stall toys if they work and are cheaper my horses had a jolly ball growing up but literally never played with it they would literally pick it up throw it over the fence and be done with it and so like when my dad would mow the lawn or the ditch he would pick it back up and throw it in there and the horses would just throw it back out <laughs> so it was like okay what the hell is the point in you ha even having a jolly ball but I do think I want to get one or like get a couple toys for chance because Chance is a little over a year old now, so he's kind of in that playful, curious phase, and I think maybe having a ball for him would be fun. The gelding pasture here at work has a couple toys in it, and I do see the geldings playing with them um, fairly often. There's like a traffic cone out there. Some Two horses were literally playing tug-of-war with it the other day. Like They both had their mouths on it trying to pull it away from each other, and then there's a ball out there that I've seen them play with. 
So it seems like geldings are definitely more into that than mares are, um, which makes sense. I mean, it's kind of the same thing with humans, but yeah, I think, I think a couple toys would be fun for Chance and give him some enrichment, especially cause like he's just with Red right now and Red is a kind of an old man, kind of tired of him. So it would give him something to play with because I don't think Red's going to, going to play with him. Um, oh, somebody said it being January doesn't automatically make your horse a two-year-old, even if it's a January baby. It shouldn't have 60 days under saddle with a rider already. Kind of a hot topic on that one. Hmm. Okay, so I think what it means is like, even though your horse just turned two this month, it shouldn't have 60 days under saddle with a rider already. And actually, I can agree with that. Um, I'm still kind of on the fence and debating whether I'm actually going to start Chance this year because he will be two in July. And he, I mean, his situation's a little different because he was so malnourished as a baby and he's small, but like horses in general, even the big horses that need extra time to grow, like, I don't, I don't know why it seems to happen a lot in the quarter horse world that we're starting them at like a year and a half, sometimes sooner. And I just, I don't feel like that's necessary. I feel like that's going to cause a lot of like developmental problems, not just physically, but also mentally because they've been started so young. Like I definitely want to teach Chance to lunge this year and I want to haul him around to some shows and teach him to stand tight at the trailer and stuff. But like he doesn't need to be doing like problem solving type stuff or like have me on his back so young. I just don't get why people are in such a rush sometimes like I get the show industry and the money and stuff and people want to get it done so that they can show, get them in the show ring and stuff and have them finished sooner and sell them. But I care a lot more about making a really solid good horse for long term than I care about just getting them done faster, you know, because then he's gonna, they're gonna have like, like I said, the physical problems and stuff and probably just not be worth as much in the long term because they've been started so young but yeah I don't know okay I'm gonna do one more and this one's kind of interesting somebody tweeted just sending out my typical winter PSA curry your horses everywhere clipped unclipped full work retired shiny not shiny Currying is about skin health first, coat second. I don't care if your horse looks shiny. They can still have lacking skin under a shiny coat. So that's kind of interesting. Like, do you guys curry your horses every time you groom them? Because I will, I will admit that there are sometimes I pull my horses out to ride and they're like perfectly clean so I just take like a stiff brush or something and I just brush them off make sure there's nothing like that'll get under the saddle or anything and I call it good so I guess I never really thought about the currying being good for their skin I mean it, when you think about it yeah it is good for their skin it's gonna stimulate everything probably help distribute their oils and stuff um speaking of skin health I have been like really wondering about Red lately because his skin is so 
flaky. Like his whole like from his shoulders to his head, like his whole neck and everything is just like flaking off pieces of skin. Like little tiny flakes that get stuck in the hair and it's obviously not the time of year to be able to give him a bath or anything, but it just looks so gross. And I'm sure it's like grimy and nasty, which probably comes with him just still being underweight and stuff. And like, you know, his, his body isn't doing the oil balancing and stuff like it should, but it's just really gross. So if anybody has recommendations for that, let me know. Um, I have been looking online at like different, you know, like why my horse's skin is so flaky. And they say like different oils and stuff can help with that. But yeah, it's really weird. Um, and gross to look at. But I never really thought about currying being that big of a deal. Especially like, I mean, th- I feel like this will only apply to like rubber curries. Because you're doing like the circular motion. Those metal curries... I don't feel like they do a whole lot, would do a whole lot for this. I have metal curries for like um, mud and stuff like that. And sometimes they're just, especially when their coat is thick, like the winter, it's just easier. But interesting take. Like, let me know down below. What what is your guys' grooming routine? Because I feel like when, you know, YouTube first started to get more popular and more big, everybody was doing like my grooming routine videos. And, like, grooming their horses with literally 10 different brushes. A face brush and a mane and tail brush and a leg brush and your soft brush and your stiff brush and your finishing brush and your flick brush and, like, all these different brushes. And it was so, so drawn out and extra. But, and I kind of used to be that way because I, I wanted to do the, do all the cool things. But now I'm like, okay curry and a brush and that's basically it um I'll brush their mane and tail like if there's sticks and like burrs and stuff in it but otherwise I don't usually touch it um and I pick their hooves and that's pretty much it sometimes like I said I don't even do the curry I just like brush them off good make sure there's no hard mud or anything on there and we're good to go but some people are very extensive about it but that's about all I can find on horse twitter today it's kind of lacking Nothing super interesting, but I mean, it's in the middle of winter, like literally half the country is getting hit by this snowstorm. So, I mean, what good is there? What What is there to talk about other than the fact that winter sucks? But anyways, hope you guys enjoyed this um, little listener exclusive. This will not be on YouTube, so um, you'll only get to hear it here. So I have to pee and I'm going to go in and probably start cleaning stalls here in a little bit. So if you listened all the way through, thank you guys so much for listening and let me know if there's any other topics or ideas for episodes in the future that you guys want to look for. And I will see you guys in the next episode. Bye.